Hey guys, and welcome to Happy, Sad, Confused. I'm Josh Horowitz. This is my podcast. Thanks for tuning in. I would say tuning in. It's really that's that's an antiquated phrase, Sammy. Yeah, no one does that. It's like tuning into what? I don't know. When I'm an old dialed. man. Um, thank you for downloading this podcast. To use the parlance of the times, uh, this parlance week... is another really <laughs> big word right now. <laughs> I am very in tune with how the kids speak. Mm-hmm. Um, here's two words that come up from the kids' mouths. John and Krasinski. Yeah, John Krasinski is the guest on Happy Say Confused this week. Uh, So happy that he uh, found the time to be with us. Um, He just left the office. Sammy uh, and Jenna walked in virtually as he was walking out. No. But you didn't see him. Yeah, you made it very clear I was to stay upstairs until he was. Your enthusiasm about him being here was borderline worrisome. Nice, and he would have liked it. <laughs> you jumped into his arms. Yeah, you would like it. Do you know what we didn't address with John when I spoke what? to him? Uh, he's he's a tall drink of water. He's uh, a tall man. Uh-huh. Don't I know it? Um, do you know how you know he has two older brothers? Mm-hmm. His brothers are even taller. His brothers are like six six and six ten. What six ten is I, seems uh, yeah, not that's, safe. Yeah, I know that's that's borderline. Like yeah, you can't walk. Into buildings. <laughs> like, you need custom buildings. Isn't that interesting? Isn't That's that really, really interesting. Apparently, not fascinating enough for me to bring up in the conversation today. Yeah. And everybody's <laughs> on the edge of their seats right now. That was going to be the 51st minute of our conversation. Uh, we just didn't get around to it. Um, John is in a new movie. He has directed a new movie called The Hollers. It has a fantastic cast, including um, the likes of Anna Kendrick, Margot Martindale. Woo-hoo. <laughs> Richard Love Jenkins, Michael. Josh Groban, Charlotte Copley, Charlie Day. The list goes on. Groban? On. Groban's in it. I talked to Groban about we, The last time I saw uh, uh, Krasinski, I saw Groban as well. It was oh. at Sundance where this film debuted. There is like this perfect world where everybody in it is John Krasinski and Josh Groban. Yeah. And they all just have like floppy hair and like, <laughs> you know, really sweet well, sweetness. He, he did assemble, like, yeah, a very sweet cast. Yeah. All these people are great people and fine actors, and this is um, kind of a family dramedy, the kind of film that um, I dig, I assume you probably I enjoy, and, uh, and and frankly, the kind of film that doesn't get enough play in theaters nowadays because there are too many damn superhero movies Ugh, taking up the multiplex. I, roll, right? I love those two, but, but there should be room for movies uh, the likes of uh, The Hollers. So check it out. Um, opening in theaters soon, and support independent film and support our buddy uh, John Krasinski. Did he um, do any any office talk? We did talk a little about office. Um, he's very um, he's very open and like aware of like the perception of him and he's so grateful like where he is like he knows like you know how difficult it, it how, how you know the, people um, you know box you in people people assume you're one kind of a thing and especially a, a show like The Office a role like Jim mm. um, was so iconic and I think people when they see him they associate him with that so as they should is he Jim in real life because that's what I just <laughs> like I, it was weird when you said his name was John oh, I was sorry, like oh sorry, my god sorry. you're wrong that's not his name. he certainly is Jim esque mm-hmm. in that he's uh, he looks the part and is <laughs> <laughs> he looked look, John Krasinski looks exactly like Jim not from exactly the like ninety two percent well now he's now he's got the thirteen hours abs which we discuss oh. he, <laughs> you did you got we do we have to you know right. I, I, I like to, you're the ab guy I like to talk abs yeah and uh, <laughs> and he's going off to again kind of be in the action kind of hero vein where he's he's doing a uh, Jack Ryan, mm-hmm. um, a TV show for Amazon that sounds really cool. We talk about it. It's like um, ten episodes, but the idea is to kind of like do almost like a, a movie each year, like a, a ten episode story each year. Um, and they're shooting it um, in some cool places and on a big budget. So I think it's going to have a really cool look I to it. I can get behind that. Yeah, I'm excited about it. Um, so yeah, he is uh, delightful. I mean, he's one of those guys. Truly, the energy in this room, just from him having just been here, is just <laughs> calming and gentle. Yeah. No, if you're you're in John's presence, you feel mm-hmm. you're with a friend. You're with someone that's a like-minded uh, uh, guy with a good film taste. We we nerd out on a lot of film. Um, 
and, uh, and, and yeah, and just talk sort of the high points of his career and, of course, a lot about the hollers. So um, I'm sure you guys are going to enjoy this conversation. Um, not much more to say except uh, if you haven't checked out, I'm going to hype it up again because it's my little baby outside of Happy Second Fused. Check out uh, Junketeers Yay. on Comedy Central Digital. We actually talk about it a little bit because one of the actors in Junketeers is, uh, is a friend of uh, John's. Uh, uh, Barrick Hardley, who plays uh, Deckard in the show. Um, did some commercial spots with him. I, so, I like, yeah. Um, so yeah, so that that organically came up. Who knew? Um, so yeah, so if you haven't checked out Junketeers, please check it out. Eight episodes on Comedy Central's YouTube channel with the likes of Kristen Bell and Josh Duhamel and Chloe Grace Moretz and Matt. Bomer, so many good Matt people. Matt Bomer. We love Matt Bomer. He's been on the podcast. A lot of people that have been on the podcast. Yeah. Mal's been on the podcast. I can't believe you have just Matt Bomer completely full frontal nudity for an entire episode. Yeah, let's go with that. Let's <laughs> let's sell that. Yeah, yes. If you want nude Bomer. So tune in. There, there is backside uh, Dumel. Yeah. So you, like, I can Full guarantee ass. that. Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. Um, so check that out. And, of course, uh, hope you guys enjoy this episode with um, the affable, the talented, the tall drink of water that is yeah. Johnny Krasinski. Johnny K. <laughs> Johnny K. Uh, he's going to hate you now. Yeah. Don't, he's not listening. It's okay. That's very true. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, Krasinski. <laughs> no, we love you. No, we love you. Come back <laughs> so I can hang out. Okay, bye. Why do you put it in quotes? Because uh, you don't like me to be happy. <laughs> Enjoy the podcast. <laughs> it's really freaking me out. Michael Shannon? Or this? Oh, the, yeah, that. Can you tell who that is, Mr. Krasinski? J-Law and Cooper. Wow, you're you're an aficionado of, of if they made it. Well, as a it's, former Conan intern, you know if they made it well. Exactly. Back yeah. in the day, remember that? Do they still do that on the news show? I guess that's the property so. of NBC. Yeah, yeah, that whole thing. Man, that was everybody always asks like, "What's your biggest influence comedically?" It's always Conan. Me too. Conan's Gr- like my Carson. We're, we're we're close in age, so I think um, similarly. Yeah, you're Conan. 20, right? I'm 22, oh, okay. and, and you're 19. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, don't look a day over 16. Sweet Thank 16. You. Thank you. How was your sweet 16? Did you have a big sweet 16 party, by the way? Uh, what did I do for my sweet 16? Is it okay that we're recording, by the way? Yeah, go ahead, dive we'll in. Just, Let's go right to the sweet 16. Um, what did I do for my 16th birthday? That's around license time, right? I don't remember it. I, I never got my I, like, license. Went to a movie with like a friend, right? So, and I don't mean that tragically. I mean that's what I wanted to do. Yeah, the, that's still my goal—just to go see a movie with a friend, right. maybe my wife. Exactly. <laughs> that's nice. <laughs> that's sweet. Um, welcome to MTV. Welcome to my, oh my little God, podcast. It's so good to be here. Uh, welcome to my Your sketchy office weird is office. Huge. <laughs> it's got a weird studio audience here that are very quiet. <laughs> Wonderfully well behaved. No windows. No, no windows. <laughs> An ET doll? Is that an original? Like meaning what? Meaning no, I haven't kept my my childhood toys. But you know in that what I'm talking of, about because the course. leather ones were like right. That's funny you say that. Weird. My wife ones. actually still has her leather one at oh. her childhood home. Yeah, really? it's 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 seen better days. Do you remember the ET? It was the most uncomfortable doll to sleep with because you were like, I love ET. It's rubbing this, against yeah, you. It's like weird, sweating against couch. you. Yeah. <laughs> Did you ever have the E.T. Uh, album, the um, the Michael Jackson spoken word oh music thing? Oh, my God. Remember I don't that? know if I had it, but I remember that. Yeah. Boy, you're really ringing some bells here. Good. That's the goal. Do you remember Atari 2600? Of course. Okay, good. <laughs> Do, you Do you remember the E.T. game? That they yes. That whole... Horrible. Oh, man. <laughs> Did you, what was, your, was that your first game console, the Atari? Oh, my God, yeah. But we were so far behind on everything. We were, we were definitely those kids who went to other people's houses to play video games. Right. I think we got it. I think I got. That's probably what I got for my Sweet Sixteen. Is an Atari Twenty Six Hundred. <laughs> that's way behind. That's no, I not... know it's way behind. Because <laughs> I, I always, I felt like I was um, living a really sad life because I, I chose, and it's my own fault. I was a Sega guy growing up. Oh, so yeah, I would do yeah, the Sega yeah. Master System and Genesis while all the cool oh, kids right. were doing. You had Sonic the Hedgehog. I love Sonic. When Hedgehog. everybody else had Mario Brothers. And I had Tom, but I did have Tommy Lasorda sort of baseball, which was an amazing oh, game. Oh yes, that's right. I remember people being. Yeah, that's right. Because you because. Well, Nintendo had like MLB or something. Right, right. they had the actual licensed players. So, but we had, we, but we had Tommy. Tommy Lasorda, I had Tommy Lasorda. Boto. <laughs> um, as if you couldn't tell, uh, John Krasinski is promoting the Howlers, an excellent. No, no, I'm promoting Tommy Lasorda baseball. <laughs> 
<laughs> making the rounds, traveling the country a bit, yes. spreading the good word. I mean, this yeah. is, you know, this is uh, not uh, a budget of the likes of Suicide Squad, so you gotta, you know, put yourself out yeah, there, yourself spread the good out. word. I feel like it's fun to talk about the movies that you're proud of. So this is this is one that is so easy to talk about. I, I had a blast doing it and was honored to direct it as well as be in it. So last time I saw you, you were actually talking Sundance. about this. It was Sundance. Next to Murder River. <laughs> Remember that? That's right. There were like shoes in the trees. There were. And it was a really eerie... Like, we were trying to be having a good time, but it was really weird. <laughs> it was cold. I think you in got darkness. hit by a bike, didn't you? Oh, well, yeah. It's you all coming back now. Bike, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It's I liked... weird that I remember it more than you. No, I felt true. like you would love that day, but you don't. You just... Meaningless to you me. You just threw it aside <laughs> because Damon came in and talked about Born and it all went away. That's not true. That's not true. It's just that, um, as you can see, again, from my office, uh, all of the environments in which I do interviews are sketchy and weird and good places to murder people. Yeah, yeah. That's true. Yeah. This isn't your office. This is who's that <laughs> guy my, with a mask? This is my it's <laughs> my murder hole. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but as I recall, the, the weird part about the timing when you were you, you, that was the debut of the Hollers. Mm-hmm. It was also right around when Thirteen Hours had come out. I believe. Yeah, Thirteen right? Hours had come out. I think two weeks before or something. So and it was obviously doing well. Had gotten a, a big response from the the box office, etc. And uh, your physique had been getting a great response. I felt <laughs> I, I felt like I, I was you know doing my journalistic you know uh, duty by asking you about your abs. So I feel like all of your interviews at Sundance were probably sixty percent abs, forty percent yeah, uh, that's fair. Is that's that okay? Fair. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm glad that your computer shut because I think it's just all my abs. <laughs> yeah, my, just searches, my, my Google searches of. <laughs> John Krasinski abs. Um, yeah, you know what? When you work for those John abs, Krasinski, yeah, yeah. hey, show them off. You know, <laughs> not me. I'm saying you. Like, put them up in your office. It's weird that you came in shirtless for this interview, though. <laughs> hey, listen, this is how I do most interviews, but uh, certainly for you, I knew you were a fan. Uh, but obviously not a big enough fan to remember our amazing uh, Come on. interview. Don't be like that. No, it's that. fine. I'm, I'm getting insecure. It's fine. Um, yeah, this might be the most self-deprecating, insecure <laughs> conversation between the two of us. It's like you. No, I listen. might have found somebody that out. <laughs> the thing I love about sure? Josh is you go off topic quick, <laughs> and sometimes you get stuck there. So yeah, where should we go next? Like okay. in a sand hole from Princess Bride. Boom. <sighs> That was a good reference. I, a great reference. Okay, we're, we're going to dig into uh, all that kind of movie uh, from our ch- mutual childhoods. Not mutual because we didn't share our childhood, as far as I know. No, but right? maybe we did. Maybe we did. Who knows? We'll get into that in a second. Let's talk we talked about, about your, your 22 years old. Right. <laughs> Grew up in the 90s. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so The Hollers, obviously a labor of love. Any film that you direct, your second feature that you've directed. Yes. Um, this, I mean, you've talked about this before, and, and I tend to agree. Many filmmakers agree. Um, casting is so important and something like this, and you certainly have surrounded yourself yeah. uh, with the best of the bunch, Margaret Martindale, Richard Jenkins. Yeah, it's funny. I remember hearing, I think uh, I think Scorsese said it in an interview that like 90% of your job as a director is done if you cast the right people, which I think is really interesting. And it, it sounds like just a line, but it's really true, especially with something like this. Margaret Martindale is phenomenal in everything she's ever done. If you don't know her, check again because you do. You're like, oh, who's Margot Martindale? And then look her up online. You'll be like, oh, right. Oh, the, the person, person that stood out in that movie yeah, was exactly. like the best she's, thing in that movie. Yeah, Exactly. And so to get her to do this, I'm really proud because she's gotten plenty of accolades her whole career. But I think this is an opportunity for her to be seen doing something that is so specific, so amazing, and, and puts her on uh, you know par with being one of the best there's ever been. And, and I certainly feel that. And I love giving her this role to be able to show that because she made the movie elevated in a way that was so necessary. So, I mean, to me, there's a lot of the casting. And then you get someone like Richard Jenkins, who's, again, one of those actors who's just been in everything and so good in everything. Um, And I think all the rest of us really looked up to the two of them. And it was me, Anna Kendrick, Charlotte Copley, and and, uh, Josh Groban, and Charlie Day, and Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Randall Park's in the movie, too. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody in the interviews is like, Asian Jim's in the movie. I was like, oh no, he's a much, much bigger than Asian Jim. No, you're you're you're, uh, you're white Jim. They should print, uh, yeah, call yeah, you yeah. that, right? Yeah. So they, um, it's funny because like when I think of some of those actors you mentioned, also I think of like how they can do. You know, depending on the part, they can do a lot with a little. You mentioned Richard Jenkins, and I think of like so many different roles, but I think of parts like I always love the, the let, let the right one in remake, the let, let me in, where he has like almost no dialogue in oh, the film. Yeah. Yeah, He's yeah, remarkable. Yeah. So like your 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 job as a director once you're on set, I mean, you you have this cushion. You know, you've cast virtually the best in the business, mm-hmm. and you're going to hopefully elevate mm-hmm. an already uh, a script that you're already very happy with. Right. Um, 
but I mean, give me a sense of sort of like on set, like how much quote unquote directing of the actors you have to do or feel incumbent upon you to do. Well, you know, it's funny. I remember asking Matt Damon about um, Clint Eastwood and he was like, it's scary to work for Clint because you only do one or two takes. And he's, and I said, did you ever talk to him about it? And he said, yeah. I said, you know, could I ever have another one? And Clint said, yeah, if you want another one, you can have one. But I hired you because I knew you'd do the job that you can do. Right. And I think that this was the first time I really saw that, which was, you know, it's a small budget movie, but I got all these incredible actors that, you know, we, you know, a movie of this size doesn't necessarily usually get. So I was so happy to do it. So my job as a director was really just to get out of their way. I mean, to set up an environment where they could play, feel free to do what they do, add, you know, their interpretation, throw in some lines and just feel like we were all a part of it. And it worked. I mean, I really think by the end of it, you know, Margot always says we were a real family by the end. And I really think we were, we, we keep in touch, but also there's something very special about the shooting of this movie that you almost look back on like, like summer camp. You're Mm -hmm. like, I remember those days and I'll always remember it. It was something really, really special. Do you, I mean, you know, you're, you're very much, I would imagine aware of sort of like the, the business of movies right now and sort of the place for different kinds of movies. Mm -hmm. And frankly, there are less movies of this type that get a shot at the box office or or even get a shot to be in a, in a movie theater. Well, that's exactly why I did the movie to be honest, because you know, there's no rhyme or reason to what, choices I make, I try to make, especially since the office, I try to make more interesting choices and trying something different. So 13 hours was obviously extremely different. And you know, the hollers directing this is a more linear movie, but I, I also love the idea of fighting for scripts that you believe in. And this script's been around for like 10 years. I signed on as an actor like seven years ago before I was a director and you get to tell the story. And the reason why, listen, let's be honest, we've all seen movies about families before. And I think what this is, is Jim Strauss wrote a script that was incredibly specific. And so very similar to like an Alexander Payne movie. I think mm-hmm. he rides that rail between drama and comedy in a way that feels very real. You don't feel right. manipulated by swelling music to cry and you don't feel really hammy with these jokes. It just feels like, oh my God, that's my family and my family's a little nuts and so let's right. laugh about it. And I think that was the success of The Office. You know, people didn't watch it just because it was a comedy show. They watched it because they had a Dwight in their office or their boss was insane. And so I think that connectivity, that universal connectivity is, is huge. Um, so for me, I, I really wanted to make a movie that I used to watch as a kid. I mean, I think mo- a lot of my favorite movies, I don't know if they'd be made today. Um, and one of them way back in this sort of genre was Terms of Endearment. And I remember that movie is just phenomenal and yeah. has a phenomenal cast doing a very, you know, it's simple storytelling. It's classic storytelling. It's just about a family and there's really fun stuff going on. Um, even like a, a movie like... Um, even Dead Poet Society, you know, sure. which was so massive for me because I was about that age of the kids that were in the school. But also, you know, just that idea of a really good story that's told um, in an emotional way, has some fun, light moments, but is also connecting to you. And you're right. The, these movies just don't get a shot anymore. So if I was going to do it, I wanted to do it at the level where I could literally look a, a random stranger in the eyes and say, you will cry in this movie and you right. will laugh in this movie. And it's it's one of those movies where... My promise is you paid however much for the ticket. Did, did it deserve that money? And right. I, I think this one does. Do you, do you think that – I mean I would think as a filmmaker – I mean certainly as an actor but even more as a filmmaker, um, there must be something just so gratifying about – provoking like a visible emotional response i mean it, it sounds a little uh, it sounds almost a little callous in a way but like to see someone's face and be like i made you cry no it's it's really <laughs> unbelievable yesterday i was doing an interview and um this very sweet woman took about five minutes to start asking me questions and i i really felt terrible i thought i had done something and she said no my mom uh looks a lot like marga martindale and she has experienced something like this and i'm not really sure how to begin talking to you about this right. and to me that's what the beauty of movies is. Listen, I want to be taken away to space and I want to see robots and I want to see all that stuff. But I also want to sometimes just kick back and, and go through something kind of emotional. And those are the movies I've always loved. And yes, I've never had this sort of thing. I mean, I guess 13 Hours was very powerful at the end. And certainly I felt moved just reading the story and knowing about the story. But with this, I think, yeah, when you're in a screening and you're watching people cry, it's very... Um, hard to watch in a way because you're, you you feel very bad for the people, but you also feel like, oh, I wasn't wrong. This story is right. very powerful, and, and it's something that I think everybody can relate to. There are always movies where you cry because of the moment that you're supposed to cry, and then there's this movie where I think most people just connect to their family members. What's what's the most nerve-wracking screening for a film like this? Like, Is, is it like the an early cut with friends and families? Is it the first like time you get into the edit room at all and just look at an assembly cut? Is it at Sundance? That's a really good question. I mean, 
I remember uh, friends telling me, friends who direct calling it the suicide cut is in the beginning because it just feels like you blew it. And the the first cut that you ever see is that just assembly. Yeah. And it, it's, it really is sort of like this unwieldy, what is this? What are we watching? What did we shoot? Is this all we got? And yeah. it's very terrifying. But that's a whole different thing. That's almost like shooting in the dark. Yeah, Don Cheadle was in here recently for the podcast, and he <clears> said <throat> after he looked at that first cut four miles ahead, he literally thought, like, I'm never going to release this film. Like, I, he, had to, he, had, he had to take months thing. away yeah. from the edit room and be like, like, I don't know what to do. I did the exact same thing. That's so funny because, and listen, I've directed before. I, I knew it was coming. All my friends who direct tell me it's coming, and you don't really feel like... You don't understand what it feels like. It's so bizarre. It's like buying, I don't know, anything, like a car or a house or something and saying this is exactly what I wanted to buy. And then when they deliver it, it's just like on fire, <laughs> has no wheels. And, uh, you know, there's there's puppies in the burning car. And you're like, oh, my God, this is a nightmare. Please make it stop. So, okay, so flash forward. So that's its own thing you're saying. Yeah, that's its own thing. But I think, you know, probably the most terrifying for me was or, – or, or the one I was most nervous about was Sundance because that's when people are, you know – Real people are seeing it. It's not your friends. It's not your family. It's not your agents. It's not, you know, it's, it's people who love movies too. Right. You know, that's the other thing about Sundance is you go there. I, I love going to Sundance because it's always the forefront of great filmmaking and storytelling. And so you feel like, wow, I'm, I'm, I'm with the cool kids. They, I, I hope they like it. And, you know, we got a standing ovation of like 1400 people. I've never had that in my career Boy, I hope I get another one. But if not, that one was really, really special. I'll never forget that. I mean, yeah. truly, that was an initiation into a, a really special place for me that, that I'll never forget. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, you mentioned like Sundance and obviously my kind of experience going there as a as a quote-unquote journalist. I was shy away from calling myself a journalist because the kind of things I do are so stupid. No, you're but, a snarky critic. No, I'm not a critic either. No, you're, I'm you're, snarky, you're, but not a critic. <laughs> Thankfully, I've never had to review films either. Thank God. Oh, my God. But, um, but I do. What I, you would say about films. That's not true. God, I want to know <laughs> what's in that closet of a brain. The next 15 minutes, we're going to discuss how, the, all the reasons I love License to Wed. And just oh, go yes. deep. <laughs> deep cut. Yeah, no. But I mean, I was going to say, like, those film festivals for me are like the boost I need to remind myself, like, why I love all of this. And, like, you know, I'm going to Toronto in a couple weeks. And I, I look, yeah. so look forward to that kind of, like, I know there's so much cynicism in your side of the business, my side of the yeah. business, and you kind of need those reminders of like there's there's good product out there, the people making things with the best of intentions, mm -hmm. and there are audiences out there. There might be smaller, they might be different kind of audiences than back in the heyday of the '70s, but yeah, I think for me, what I what I've constantly tried to understand more and more every day is. So we're in this world where there's new outlets for everything. There's podcasts, there's, you know, digital, there's TV, film, all this different stuff. So there's so many different ways to experience good product. And yet everybody seems to be looking at it the same way as they used to, which is like, you know, is this movie a Paul Thomas Anderson movie? Nope. No, no movie is that good, you know, as good as that or right. in the same vein as that. And is this movie going to make $150 million? Probably not because we made it for, you know, a much smaller sum. And so it's this weird thing where everybody seems to be judging the product for the same reasons that they, they judge uh, other things that don't fit. And right. so I, I just love that places like Sundance in Toronto is, you know, it gets back to the reason why we all love movies. And I don't mean anybody in this business. I mean, like, the reason why people connect to movies is because it is it does transport you to a different place. Right. And you can talk to your parents about it the first time they saw, I don't know, Gone with the Wind or something or The Wizard of Oz and... And then you can talk to, you know, me. I remember watching a movie like In the Bedroom and just being like, oh, my God, this is possible. Like this small, beautiful, perfectly told story in my account was was great. Or yeah. a movie like Junebug that, you know, I had never seen indie film before I went to college because I was just that kid. If like if it wasn't in the Cineplex or it wasn't on the radio, I wasn't taking it in. Sure. And so when I was in school, my the thing I offered all my friends was please give me an album and a in a movie every week to watch. And so I, my real education in college came from that. And so I watched all this great stuff and it impacts you in a way where you really getting back to the f festival thing. And I'm rambling like a 96 year old, but the truth is, is like, I love it because I think the same reason you do, which is 
we're all in it together. We're all, we all get to just say we love it. You yeah. know, it, it may, it's kind of like our version of Comic-Con or something where you can just go and be like, this is awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. You know, instead of judging it. Well, and, and that brings up a, a, a new part of the conversation in terms of like a, a mutual love of film. So there was a, there was a, a fun little hashtag on Twitter the other day. It was like, I think it was like hashtag seven fave films. Like a lot of people were posting their seven favorite films mm-hmm. of all time. I, I, was sucked into it. And of course, like as soon as I posted my seven, I was like, no, there are 20 others. I should have right, swapped no, no, in there. No. So, um, can my you... answer to that question is always the same, which is like, you can never say them in order, yeah, yeah, but that's here's, insane. here's seven of my okay, favorite. Give, give seven. Oh, we're doing it. Oh, yeah, God. Give it, give a few. If you need a pencil and paper, what, what do you need? No, you need? I, I'll okay. tell you, I always, cause I watch movies. I'm one of those guys who watches movies over and over and over. So, I mean, of I don't know in order, but seven of my favorite twenty twenty five. Don't no pressure. These just define the human beings. Oh, okay, great, great. Um, I think one of my favorite movies of all time that I watched the most is The Verdict. Uh, Paul Newman's The Verdict, written by David Mamet and Cindy uh, Lumet directed. It was amazing. Um, the Godfather is obviously that's a boring answer, but it's boring for a reason because everybody should love those. And movies. do you want those? the first two together or do you differentiate i do lump the first two together i'm one of those guys who it's like to me it's a world it's it's like game of thrones it's like if you're in you're in all the way just because you can't get enough of it and so yeah i I mean i think the story itself i think a lot of people see it as like the story is is one big thing you can't chop them up yeah sure the movies are a little different but it's both amazing absolutely um one of the first movies Emily and I started watching over and over and over together was Jaws. Jaws is a perfect Jaws movie. Jaws is a perfect movie. It's a movie. perfect Every time I write a script, <laughs> I watch Jaws like three times straight and go, great, I'll never be able to achieve that, but let's give it a shot. Um, it's, it's a perfect it's movie. It's got like 10 iconic, amazing scenes you can, that are, yeah. you can quote all day. And I'm a big crier. I like to cry. So there's Kramer versus Kramer. There's Ordinary People. There's all those amazing movies. All the President's Men didn't cry in that one necessarily. Say, wow, that's... I mean, when Deep Throat comes out, it's so emotional. <laughs> it's so emotional. Al Holbrook always gets me. Oh, Al Holbrook does always get me. My <laughs> God. That guy can say hello to me and I cry. Oh, when he showed up in like Into the Wild a few years ago. And just... Promised Land he did with us. Oh, of course. That's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How still with us? Yes. Yes. Amazing. Good for yes. Yeah. That's great. Okay. So okay. That's a four or five. So it sounds like I mean, there's nothing to. Did I do that? Wasn't seven? Was it? No. Okay. Keep, keep, keep no. Did keep I? No. I think it was. I think okay. I threw you had, in like you a had couple Godfather. There. You had Verdict. I you had, had uh, Ordinary Jaws, People. Ordinary People. Jaws. Kramer versus Kramer. K K. That looks wrong on paper. But <laughs> one, two, three, four, five. Oh man. Um, um, Ernest goes to camp. You said. Yeah. Or was Ernest it Ernest go- by the way, Ernest goes to camp. <laughs> I watched a billion times. <laughs> I mean, if we're talking about movies that transform my life, Tommy Boy has to be on there. Um, there's also a movie that actually I think I was most obsessed with. Again, is it on the pantheon of those others? Maybe in a way, yes. Is um, uh, Safe Men? Oh, sure. Sam Rockwell. John Hamburg directed good, it. Good. Yeah. John Hamburg. I think it was his first movie yeah. out of film school. If you haven't seen this movie... See it Giamatti, right? Yeah, it's amazing. I think it was the first movie for those guys. It was like Ruffalo, Sam Rockwell, Paul Giamatti, Harvey Firestein's in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, Steve Zahn's in it, who's oh, amazing Zahn. in it. Who else? Just everybody. If you if you weren't in that movie, you're Judy Dench is, has that huge show. Oh, yeh, yeah, Judy Dench no, has that 17-second no. <laughs> Oscar winning. No, no. Um, so do, do you, uh, does your film taste ever differ significantly with Emily's? Do, are there films that you have argued about in terms of, I love this, why can't you see why this is a perfect movie? <laughs> no, because, not to sound cheesy, but you it's true. Mind. Like, I'm, I'm a legitimate film nerd, as I know you are. And it's, it's to me, is every movie's different. So there are movies that everyone will say is awful. And then I go see it. And I'm like, I loved it. You know, it's just about what you're seeing on the day and how you feel and blah, blah, blah. So there will be days where I will walk out of a movie and I'll say, I loved it. And she's like, I didn't, I didn't totally love it. Or sure. I say the opposite. And to me, that's the best part is it just didn't hit you in the right way. What, uh, what's, do you have a favorite of her films? I have many favorites. I mean, I think most recently Sicario was one of the best films I've seen in a long time. Yeah. I know it sounds like I'm plugging it, but I, I will, I will say for me, um, the first time I've ever not realized it was my wife on, or I should say I forgot that it was my wife on screen, was um, Girl on the Train. Oh, nice. I just saw it. It came out well. That. That's it's, great. It's coming out. Oh, my God. She's unbelievable. It's um, it's one of those acting performances that's like a magic trick where you, instead of just saying, oh, it's great, you actually wonder how you achieved that. So awesome. I keep looking for her uh, magic tricks, and she doesn't tell me anything. Uh, we guys aren't talking. Uh, no, we don't speak at all. No. 
Uh, the divorce was like two weeks ago, but it feels like years. Oh, God, this is yeah, going to be printed say, somewhere. Don't, don't worry. We don't take this out of context. At least I don't. Um, is there a lot of Mary Poppins you're being like, sung at it? You're like, I don't, but the New York Times did. Anyway. I'm not responsible for the rest of the internet. Is there a lot of Mary Poppins being sung at home right now? She doesn't sing for me uh, out loud. She, uh, I don't know how else you would sing. That sounded bizarre. Um, no, she doesn't sing. She sings uh, with her eyes to she me. She doesn't sing out loud. I got to say, one of the most um, insane moments of my relationship with her was I flew over to be with her for uh, Into the Woods for a couple weeks. And they went into the studio to pre-record the songs. And I swear to you that I have never heard my wife sing a note. It was like finding out your like partner has a superpower. Ex- like- that's exactly <laughs> what I say. So there's like a 125-piece beautiful orchestra. There's Rob Marshall who's like, oh, this is great. You're going to love it. And I said, oh, I've never heard him sing. And he did like the slowest, most dramatic take and was like, oh, my God. <laughs> and, he was, and he just did this thing with his hand. He just cued the orchestra. And she started singing. And I just wept. <laughs> it was so intense. And by the way, Stephen Sondheim was sitting right next to me. It was a bizarre... Unbel- and he was loving it. He was like conducting in the air. And, and then she came out and I, I always say about my wife, she's like that girl I went to high school with, which is when the tests were coming back. I was like, what did you get? And she's like, I failed. And I was like, me too. <laughs> and then her test comes and it's like an A plus. And mine was definitely an F. I'm more of a realist, I guess. And she's like, oh, I don't sing very well. And then she came out and she was like, how was that? And I said, I don't know. You just crushed my soul. Like, good God. Now, do you sing? No, I think I'm scientifically the worst singer on earth. <laughs> it's been tested. Maybe you should stop drinking your diet, Dr. Pepper. It's not good for the vocal cords. I know. I just heard that, like, soda. Should I not be drinking soda? <laughs> I don't know. I can't keep up with what we should and shouldn't do. No. I think diet, Dr. Pepper, medical science has like, decided it's... I just think it's, it's... booze, tobacco, and heroin, a steady <laughs> diet. Um... What we're talking about? We're talking about singing. Okay, here's here's a question. So, you know, obviously coming off of The Office a few years back, um, you know... Again, self-awareness of sort of your, your worth, quote-unquote, in the business, what you can mm-hmm. get done, and like mm-hmm. financing and all that kind of annoying yeah. stuff. Yeah. I mean, how cognizant of, of, of that are you in terms of like the, quote-unquote, power you have to get a film like The Hollers made, which, um, you know, not a lot of people can probably make that for reasons already discussed. Right, right. Um, Using your power for good, as it were, and, and a sense of sort of where you are in the pecking <clears throat> order of making things happen. Yeah, it's interesting you talk about it because I remember um, – uh, when I did Leatherheads with George Clooney, I remember we were doing a test screening, and I certainly had never known what a test screening was. And I remember George calling me and saying, you have to come to this. And I remember thinking that's sort of a terrifying, awful thing to put someone through is uh, you know, 30 people talking about you when they don't know you're there. And it was the most awesome experience for me because it just informed me so much about that side of things. And I personally am one of those people who wants to learn everything about what you're doing and what I'm doing. And so for me, you can't enjoy all the incredible opportunity that comes with this business and not know the, the inner workings of it and how, right. how it works. And so I don't shy away from that stuff. And so, yeah, the, coming off the office, I think, you know, and then there's also the whole thing about like, oh, you're coming off the office. Will you ever do anything other than the office? And I understand all that. I'm not the guy who's like, damn it, take me seriously. But seriously, damn it, take me seriously. <laughs> Only um, that voice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but but it's all you got to be a realist and you got to take it all in and just keep doing what you do and, and hope that people like it. And if they if they do, great. And if they don't and they have their reasons, that's that's totally on them. So getting back to the whole what you're worth thing. Yeah, I mean, I think that so I was attached as an actor and then the financier actually called this exact thing happened. And he said he couldn't get the movie made would I ever want to direct it? And he asked if I'd buy the script outright. I've never done anything like that. And again, I said, I think you have the wrong phone call. This is, this is not George Clooney. Um, and I ended up buying it because I thought, you know what? This story does need to be told. It, it is, like I said, a genre of movies that I miss. It's a, yeah. it's a bygone era of movies that are really good about family. And I think it's important, especially in this world, it's like to tell simple stories about things like families and being connected is really important. So for me, it was, it was great. And Yes, once I started directing and I was able to make calls to get these people to come work on it, 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 it moved very fast. I think we were making movie within, I think I, I had it cast and ready to go in two months and we were shooting in four. So it's Which like, that's insane. pretty remarkable. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that's light speed. So, um, yes, I think that I understood that I could get it going. But also I will say, again, to credit Jim, is I was probably just, you know, a light to shine on the script for everybody to be like, Oh my God, the script is really good. So yeah, maybe it was partly me, but it's also the project. Do you, do you find that? Um, I mean, you know, you, you, 
been the smart about your career, and also um, there's a fair amount of talent. I you're gonna be like, but also stupid. No, I wasn't gonna say that. But I, no, <laughs> but I was gonna, I was gonna compliment you by saying that you obviously, you know, you you can write well. You obviously co-wrote with Matt um, the Promised Land. Obviously, uh, director and act, and so you you can kind of chart your own path to a degree, at least compared to some who are a little bit more beholden to mm-hmm. others. Um, I mean, that being said, I'm curious, like. You know, as you started to do films in between seasons of The Office, or you mm-hmm, could fit it mm-hmm. in, et cetera, were there were there frustrations? Was there ever like a direction from like a, a director saying, "Can I get a little more Jim in this?" Oh, yeah. does... I mean, I think that there was never that in specific. But I, again, I was always a realist to understand. Like, I was a waiter before I got The Office, so for people to know me as Jim is one of the greatest honors I can have because it, it was everything. This That show, it, I wouldn't be here talking to you without that show, and uh, that I would be sad about. Aww. Okay? There's a little beat there. Um, but uh, The theme of this conversation is tears. It's just constant. Just constant crying. Um, but, no, I think that for me, yeah, when I was on The Office, I think also the time schedule, we shot a lot. So we shot about um, eight, nine months out of the year. Uh, straight though. So it was, you know, we didn't get any breaks and, and, you know, we were shooting 16, sometimes 17, 18 hours a day, which was crazy. And, um, which is amazing and fun, but it doesn't give you a lot of time to go to do other things because most movies shoot for about four months. So the math just doesn't add up. So yeah, there was looking for movies that you could fit into, but also that could be well, I, I do well. And I, I thought for me, um, you know, the romantic comedy thing was something that I think everybody sent me, and then I got really lucky. First of all, I think, again, I'm a sucker, so I love romantic comedies, but then I got really lucky to do Away We Go and Leatherheads and all these movies that I was so proud to do. And so I, I just, I, again, I've just learned from all the experiences that I've had. So doing movies now, I do have the opportunity and have been afforded the opportunity to take big chances. Yeah. But like you said, I fully understand. I'm not Matt Damon. Like I have to write, produce, direct my way into other cooler stuff and open new doorways for myself, which I'm happy to do again. I'm happy to work really hard because you know, um, uh, this, this opportunity deserves it. 13 hours. Um, I would say probably clearly opened up some, some doors and changed perceptions of you to a degree. I mean, um, Michael Bay is certainly a singular talent. I I, I, I always uh, feel like I had a, a badge of honor. I was on one of the sets of the Transformer movies, and I got yelled at by him in a very sweet way. It was one of those like <laughs> it was it was like one of those things like that him, sounds like him if you got yelled at, but it was in a sweet no, way. I mean, I, I I didn't take it as negatively at all. In fact, I, I truly think it's a badge of honor. Oh, he, good. he had like a bullhorn, and he was like, "Josh, I need you to get out of the way. I just need you out of the way, man." <laughs> I'll take that. I'm like, yeah, I've hey, made he it. Called you by a name. That's pretty good. Yeah, he I, he, he legitimized me and said, "Hey, actor guy." No, no, he didn't. <laughs> number one on the call sheet. Yeah. Um, but I mean, did you give me a sense of sort of like what the, uh, was that a moment for you in terms of like being able to carry a film of that type mm-hmm. of transforming yourself physically of, of just like, again, changing perception? Did you have the confidence going in that? Yeah, I'm up to this challenge and people are going to take me seriously in this kind of a thing. I mean, undoubtedly, it was a huge shift in my career. And I'm so proud of that film in so many ways, mostly because of my connection with the military was huge going in. I come from a big military family, but my connection with the military going out has been overwhelming. I mean, I I, I think to be a part of something that people find um, represented what it takes to be a a, a man or woman that serves is, is an honor for me. But that all aside, shooting it and transforming yourself and all that stuff, that was huge. And listen, again, I'm, I'm a realist. I, I'm not the guy who's going to stand in the corner and go, damn it, I can be more than Jim. It's like, no, go show people that you can. And right. was I scared? Absolutely. And I was testing myself as much as people were testing whether or not I could do anything other than Jim. And that's okay. And and so for me, that I took that role very, very seriously. I try to take all my roles seriously. But that one was pretty heavy and pretty intense. And you know, certainly it was the first time I had ever played a real person, which is a whole new responsibility. And um, I got to know the guy I was playing very, very well. And so there's an intensity there. And of course, you know, uh, the movie itself coming out and and everybody wanting to see it for whatever political reasons they wanted to. I There was another weight there where I knew people would want to use it as a political, right. you know, not a tool. I was misquoted somewhere as saying, like, I, I thought politicians were using it as a tool. It's not all what I was saying. What I was saying is... Um, don't don't say go see the movie because it's such a political right. thing. Go see the movie because it's about guys that we should all be saying thank you to. You right. know what I mean? And and what they represent are the men and women and we should be saying thank you to every day. I wasn't saying that they were trying to use the movie to promote their own uh, campaigns. 
But the old internet, <laughs> the old internet got me. Well, the, it's also interesting. I mean, I, one would argue perhaps that um, you know you're g- going off to do this Jack Ryan series mm-hmm. soon. I would imagine. Yes. Um, and I could see a potential connection there. If, I don't know if that was going to happen, regardless of oh, there was a direct connection. The 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 uh, Amy, who's the amazing head of Paramount Television, saw an early cut of uh, Thirteen Hours because Paramount did it. And she said that when she saw the the movie, she was like, "Oh, he can. That's our Jack Ryan." Nice. And I didn't know anything about that they were doing Jack Ryan. And when my agent called and said that, I thought, "Well, there you go. Like, I I never would have gotten this role had I not done thirteen hours." And that's the beauty of you know what we do is that you can try to transform yourself and push what it is that you do. And um, so I'm I'm so psyched to do Jack Ryan. I'm also totally terrified. <laughs> I can't be like the super confident guys like i'm gonna kill it it's like no it's gonna be it's gonna be a really new role and i i love taking that stuff on and i personally think you know the pitch to me from carlton cuse who was the showrunner he just said you know perhaps this long form version of a 10-part movie every year will better serve the books because it's hard to jam those books which are long and they have right. a lot of stuff going on in them into two hours so we're not even doing it direct from the books it's it's new every year but that idea of jack being an analyst and having to decipher and figure out the plot and solution um, takes a long time. So you can do this really wonderful slow burn stuff. And yet they're doing it at the level of full movie making, meaning like budget wise, you know, we're shooting in all these fantastic places. I definitely think I'll be hanging out of a helicopter and in car (laughs) chases. And so it's not that thing of like, Oh, we're going to downsize it to TV. Right? No, they're saying we want to make movies uh, on, on Amazon for you to watch. Uh, in a longer, longer form. That's so I awesome. think that's a really cool thing. I'm not saying it's not a TV show, but it's kind of not a TV show. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's it's cool. I mean, it's obviously a character that a few notable actors have had a, have a, had a crack at. And yes. speaking of like perfect movies, I mean, I, to childhood, Hunt for Red October is like one I, of th- my I agree. favorites. That's my favorite. I it, mean, Harrison Ford's amazing, but I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm impartial to Alec Baldwin mostly because he'll kill me if I don't. Say it. <laughs> Hunt for October is my favorite. Um, I'm kidding, but Alec, I'm coming for you. <laughs> I'm basically going to redo every role you've ever. done done better oh miami blues next what are you gonna Ooh, do that's miami a good one blues maybe beetlejuice oh beetlejuice but i couldn't i couldn't touch that I can't come near that i'm very sad that apparently the beetlejuice sequel is not gonna happen yeah what happened to that i, I thought know. it was gonna, i was so excited about that but, um yeah I've, i'm I've, gonna ask alec about it please do i've been I've, punches me I've, I'm, i think i'm talking to tim burton soon so i'm gonna uh, try and find out because i've been talking to that's the guy to talk to yeah i guess so <laughs> but I, every time I, I i've done a bunch with winona over the years and who like you know the fact that i have any kind of relationship with winona Ryder uh, is like I- insane to me again yeah, you're, Josh, you're, yeah like... your child <laughs> self is like oh my god yeah pretty I, that, I think that actual sound has come out with me when oh, i'm talking good, to good. her it's not very uh, ingratiating or good but um she seemed so hopeful last time I spoke to her, and now our dreams are all crushed. I heard, again, I only you know pick nothing, up tidbits. I, I know nothing, but I, I, you know, I'm, I was reading along with you where all the, I love rumors and stuff like that. Like, what? They're doing that? So About movies, not like rumors yeah. like Josh killed someone. but <laughs> Not a rumor. It's documented. Oh, jeez. Um, I'm part of MTV's XCon program. Oh, it's really God. sweet. Oh, that's sweet. Get a second shot. Oh, my God. <laughs> You're such a handsome ex-con. Thank you. Um, speaking of... Wait, I had, I had a tangent I was going to say. Um, bu- 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 and I've lost it. Okay, so is Jack Ryan... Not, what are you looking at? You're staring at my weird I'm wall? Looking at, I'm looking at your weird oh, so bulletin this, board of... It has my, I just my want murder to, list. My, yeah, yeah. It's not a murder list, guys. It's a pure pretentious list. That's not true. There is no sorting. It's just celebrity names on a whiteboard, guys. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Do you want me if to... you were in here, it would just be lists of famous people, but nothing like... Oh, August, whatever. I'm interviewing John. Nope. It's just a lot of celebrities you know what on the list. It's, it's, it's New York people. As you can see, it says New York folks up top. And I do sketches a lot. You have never done with me, one with me, and you're going to have to one of these days. And uh, the, uh, That seemed threatening. I mean, <laughs> just ask me. The, the pointing wasn't really necessary. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, and, and then this, there's someone getting married. There's like weird drawings. Oh, that was like a sketch married. of a, a sketch. Whatever. Um, but speaking of which, you're no longer a New Yorker, I assume. You, 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 I just you, moved back. Well, you're here? Last you, week. You're back in New York. Yeah, we're oh, here welcome. for good. We're New Yorkers. Yeah, a round of applause for my studio <laughs> audience. 
so many of you. Oh, but you. I also want to point out that it yeah. says London Holt with an exclamation point. So, so Nick Holt was here for the podcast, and he was offended like you are. Uh-huh. He was offended not like you are. He was offended he wasn't on the list. You don't give a shit if you're on the oh, list. Oh, so you just family. added the list? So I added a, a London uh, bureau, and now I have Nick Holt down. Oh, that. that's so nice. And I'm going to add your name. Oh, um, thank you. So, I love that you have Paul Bettany and Billy Crudup, two of my favorite people, they're, right next to each other. They're great. Um, canoodling on your board. They're not canoodling. So I'm so happy to hear you, you've made the wise decision to make your life here in New York. Yes. With your two adorable babies. Yep. Um, I also, in my copious research, uh, as if I didn't know you were a wise man already, uh, someone asked you your favorite pizza. You had the correct answer. You said Roberta's. Yes. Have you been to Roberta's? <laughs> That's when you know someone's Autopsy, been. You open my no stomach. <laughs> Fresh mozzarella will just come out. Oh, God. It was so delicious. It's the best. And I never realized, like, I don't know why I decided to tweet that that day, but I did because I just, I was that overcome by the taste that was exploding. <laughs> Are you enjoying your time on social media? I'm, I'm, I, I'm, I'm just <laughs> getting my truthful. No, here's the thing. I enjoy it. I think I'm awful at it, but I'm trying to be better at it. <laughs> People, I think, look at me and go, oh, he's adorable. It's like, it's like when a, if like a puppy got social media, you're like, that's so cute how he made a paw print. Do you, uh, yeah, I kind of feel the same way. Like, I don't use any um, emojis or emoticons or anything. I'm scared of them. Oh, yeah. I, there are pros out there. Like, right? I read some people's Twitter accounts where I'm like, wow, that is just, that is a full-time job. Yeah. You have a great one-liner every day. You have an incredible uh, way of showing me behind the scenes of whatever you're working on. And, like, I just feel like we're best friends. What's your, what's your criteria for following somebody? I was looking through your followers to see if I could find any kind of differ- differentiating. Usually when people are like, oh, man, why don't you follow me? I go, oh, sorry. You know, and that's really what it is. It's out of like, guilt. Yeah. It's like, oh, God, sorry, Chris Evans. Yes, of course I follow you. You follow a mutual friend I was intrigued by because it's not necessarily someone the general public knows, but I've worked with him recently, is uh, uh, Barrack Hardley. Oh, yes. Do you know Barrack? Very well. He did these Budweiser spots for us. Okay. That never saw the light of day. It was very, it was very complicated. And I... <laughs> It was terrible. They were so good, but it was terrible how they didn't get to see the light of day. But it was um, it was a campaign that a buddy of mine, Danny Stesson, who uh, we actually produced this amazing Adult Swim show right. called Dreamcore LLC. That's all Danny's. Danny's probably one of the most talented, incredibly special people I've ever met, and the reason why is because no one else could ever come up with the things that he thinks mm-hmm. of. And you'll find out when you see Dreamcore LLC that I, I am wait. very right. Um, yeah, it comes out I think in October. Very it's cool. gonna be great, yeah. Oh, anything on you know, Adult Swim is usually has good taste in Adult Swim's the best right. programming on television. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, Barrack, you're gonna need to uh, to plug my own material. Uh, you're gonna need to check him out in uh, Junketeers. We've done. He's in oh, my, I heard about. This. Did you hear about it? I did. Oh, good. I just heard about it on the way over. Fun. fun. Uh, yeah. So he's one of the correspondents in our little. Oh, show. he is. Yeah. He plays kind of like our Uber movie. This nerd. is on Comedy Central. Comedy Central Digital. Digital. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how's it going? It's fun. Man, thanks is for asking. You don't need to uh, feign ignorance, uh, feign uh, interest. You? I, I <laughs> no, know. I'm very interested. No. I actually think that is a world rife Thank you. with comedy. Well, we've been talking about it for years. Everybody on all sides of the junkets know how absurd that process is. Right. What was your first junket? Do you remember? Uh, and did it blow your your oh, yeah, mind apart? It was um, definitely licensed to wed. Yeah. And it blew my mind in every single way because one of the most important ways was because I still couldn't believe that I was. Like friendly with Robin Williams, right. and he burst into my interviews like three or four times, and I was just praying that that would be the only interview they used right. because it was no, but it was it was amazing. I think it's you know it's it's interesting because you know you do a lot of interviews in one day about the same thing, and a lot of people are asking the same things, so it's always really fun when you meet people truly like you who actually ask questions that you want to talk about or get psyched about. Um, speaking of interesting, fascinating questions, I've, I've definitely asked you about this before. But again, just in talking about the evolution of a career, um, one of those uh, silly things that came to light was that you were up for Captain America. You were, yes. you were one of the, the final guys, whatever yep. that means. Yeah. Um, I'm probably going to be darted in the neck, but I definitely wore the suit one Did day. you really? Yeah. Oh, my God. I can tell you I didn't look as good as Chris Evans. <laughs> but it looked good, but not. <laughs> I hadn't 13 did your, hours wait, it yet. Did your so. voice crack like that yeah, when you was, were I look pretty good. And that lost <laughs> you the job. Shield? With a question mark. They're like, you were you gave a great audition, but they're like, first of all, you don't hand the shield; it flies to you, you dummy. Is that hard? I'm always fascinated by like, particularly like superhero auditions or, you're, or auditioning yeah. for Han Solo or something insane like that. We're like, oh my god! Like you have to get rid of all self awareness out oh, of your mind insane. because yeah, it's you're insane. it's so absurd and silly, and yeah, yet you and have I'd to had sell a lot it. of experiences. But when I went in for that, again, I'm going to get darted for this. I love all the Marvel movies, so I was a weird nerd for it all, and I was um, so ex- there was that excitement of 
I wish I could say like, I was a cool actor guy. Instead, I was like, oh my God, there's the thing from that. And I remember this because I've since become friends with Chris Hemsworth. Sure. But I remember, this is not a joke. I was putting the suit on and it was only like waist high. So I think I was still shirtless, which again, I hadn't 13 hours yet. So I was like shirtless and I looked up and walking by was Chris Hemsworth. They were shooting That's Thor. Fair. That's and I cool. was like, oh, this part shouldn't be mine. <laughs> Because look at that guy. And he looked in and like waved and um, I ran over and felt his muscles and then came back and tried to, to finish putting on the suit. But yeah, it was, it was a really, it's really intense because it's like you, you, there's no way you can put aside how big this is. I would imagine, you know, I remember loving reading about like Simon Pegg talking about being on the Star Wars set. It's like, yeah, because like we talked about before, right. full circle is like, we're all movie nerds. And so this is so exciting to be doing this. And, uh, and so, yeah, when they're like, all right, so this is the ship that you're going to be on for this scene. And you're like, oh, my God, that's a real ship. <laughs> this is so crazy. Do I get to keep this? <laughs> What's that clicky thing? Why are you yelling action? And they're like, oh, my God, this kid has a long way to go. Long way to go. What, uh, anything in particular you're excited about coming this fall, uh, films, anything beyond, uh, obviously, The Girl from the Train, et cetera, seeing it 6,000 more times? The Girl on the Train, oh, sorry. Josh, The Girl on the Train. He obviously didn't read the book for all you podcasters. I don't know how to read. I don't Oh. Oh, that's something we should <laughs> have gotten yeah. yeah, I can't should. drive. I can't read. I'm basically a non-functioning adult. Oh, that's adult. why you live in this place with no windows. And this is you live here, right? This yeah. isn't just... Yeah. yeah, this folds out into a couch. <laughs> I thought so. I'm excited about a lot of different things. Um, Rogue One, very excited about that. Yeah. I still don't know what it is, but I'm excited. It's Wait, like, did I, I heard somewhere... Are you you're friendly this, with Ryan, Ryan Johnson? I am friendly with Ryan. I'm lucky enough to be a friend of Ryan Johnson. He's a good guy. Is He's he, the best guy. And it's one of those things where... That's where it becomes super frustrating to be friends with someone like Ryan because I, there's no way, again, just like the Captain America thing, there's no way to hide how bad you want to be in one of his movies. <laughs> so at dinner, he'll be like, how you doing, man? I'm like, pretty good. Here's the salt and my resume. And he's like, that's super weird. But uh, no, Ryan was like, he, Ryan also is one of the people who I'm lucky enough to have in my stable of great friends who, when I did direct this movie... Um, I had him come in and, and watch cuts. So like, that's oh, nice. the best part about having friends that are that smart, that yeah. talented, and that kind, that they come in and they do stuff like that for you. Uh, let's wrap up our, our time together with a couple random questions from an Indiana Jones fedora. Okay, perfect. Oh, wow, that is an Indiana Jones fedora. Yeah, these are a little... It's not really Indiana Jones. Oh, it is. It says Indiana Jones. Yeah. It's I a thought this was, fully I thought licensed Lucasfilm like a... product. I didn't make it in my oh, oh, garage. Oh, oh, oh. I, I thought it was like a, I feel like these, like a Humphrey Bogart fedora. It's yellow. Don't, I mean, I've been doing this a while now, so you might want to like, get some All right. fluid Ugh, to clean dude, this you up. One has something on it. Favorite candy bar? A whatchamacallit. Oh, but we found a place where we differ. Oh, wow. You got so angry about it. <laughs> well, I take my candy seriously. God. Wow. What's your There's favorite candy bar? There's so much in bar? there. I mean, I like a simple kind of like, uh, you remember Caramello? Yeah, Caramello was all right. Oh, wow. Yeah. Let's move on. Let's move on. I mean, listen, if we're doing Caramello, I do a Rolo before oh, I did like Caramello. Rolo's good. Yeah, Rolo's good. A little more substance to it. Uh, this is has nothing written on it. <laughs> that just has a question mark. <laughs> so is that like... It's more esoteric. Yeah, that was really... Wow, this show is classy. Uh, my favorite Halloween costume. Wow. Uh, I'd, I'd have to say, if I'm honest, I would wish I could say something cool, but I'll be honest. My mom knows this. It was a unbelievably well-done-by-my-mom uh, costume of Peter Pan oh. that my mom made. It was incredible. And the reason why it was my favorite costume is because I think I tried to go as Peter Pan seven or eight years in a row. <laughs> And my mom tells a story of, like, I want to say, like, 12-year-old John being like, I still want to wear this. And my mom was like, here's the thing. If you want friends, you should choose something else. Do you, do you know about um, – so look to your right here. Do you know about Harrison's uh, Halloween activity every year? Uh, that little photo over there to your right, the Peapod? That's, oh. Har- that's Harrison Ford's the Peapod. Every year he goes out what? with his kids – you should... Oh, no, I know that he dresses up. Is he always a people? No, no, he's been like a nun. His, his costumes are on point. They're really... They're unbelievable. Yeah, they're, they're dedi- he's dedicated. Does he make them? I hope so. I like to believe that. Let's, I do, let's too. Let's believe that. I mean, that pee in the pot is unbelievable. Let's, uh, let's end our uh, wonderful chat today on reveling in Harrison Ford's Peapod costume. Is that... pa- are you and Paul Rudd at Dave & Buster's? We went to Dave & Buster's, yeah. Wow. It was a fun time. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> Who's this? That's our child together. Oh, that's what it does? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> The gene machine. Wow. 
Um, congratulations on the Hollers. Everybody should check it out. It's a, a great piece of work, an amazing ensemble. And you know, uh, these kind of films, these smaller films, they, they need love out there. They're you know, Suicide Squad will get its money, guys. Yeah, yeah, let's, exactly. let's, let's support the Hollers. Um, check it out. It opens August twenty sixth. August twenty sixth. Uh, John, it's always good to catch up with you, man. Absolutely, you too. What was your name again? That's just not cool. We're, we're, keeping, just cut we're gonna edit that out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Don't tell me how to edit my show. <laughs> good to see you, man. Thank you, dude. <laughs> Um, that's hilarious.